Hi and welcome back to the Mind Affinity Podcast. Today I'm chatting again with John Davis from Blackfire Films because we had far too much to squeeze into one episode. So do go back and check out episode one if you haven't already. But here we are for part two. basically tried to ask me to leave and I just didn't pick up on it. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> clueless, absolutely just clueless. Just, yeah. So I figured I may as well use the time if he's going to be hounding me to, so, to record some more. is probably quite a large subject within the whole autism thing as well. So. I'll make a note. Yeah. Speaking of making notes, um, something I made a note of when we were speaking the last time that I wanted to bring up, you spoke a, a little bit about synesthesia. Yes. Uh, and actually, I'm recording an episode soon, which should come out not too long after this one, with uh, a lady from the States who uh, has um, synesthesia and talks right. a lot about it. So I'm quite looking forward to that. But let's introduce I, the idea here. What's your... I, well, I, th- I, th- I, I feel like I've got synesthesia light. I haven't really got anything mm-hmm. that exciting. Yeah. It's literally, if I'm listening to, say, music and I close my eyes... And most people, if they close their eyes, they start seeing things or visions or whatever else. Though that said, like very minor tangent, I found out this whole thing recently about how people don't have an inner monologue. Yes. Or whatever. I'm like, how does that work? It's like an '80s TV show in my head. I've just got this constant character voice going. Oh, John Saturn, book the. <laughs> I, I I have uh, I have a, th- a theme track as well. <laughs> yeah. um, theme a soundtrack. Theme that's yeah. the word. The soundtrack. I, I have a soundtrack. Oh, I had sound effects things in my head. Yeah, all the yeah. Time, what, but, whatever yeah. I'm doing in life, I would say. Probably 80% of the time, there is uh, exaggerated sound effects that go with it oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and a theme tune or, or some kind of ambient mood music. Yeah, well. oh, no, I, I have commentators going on in my head just permanently. But, you know, it's like, it's like people say they hear the voices. Where I've got one voice, it's mine, but it doesn't shut up. You know, it's just constantly banging that's, on. That's not in your head, John. No, I know. That's, well, that's no. reality. Even you while I'm talking, the voice in my head is going like, what the fuck are you on about? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like you're just interjecting and, you know. But but then that that I mean as as a little side note on that 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 is quite a thing to know this like high functioning autism is that as I'm talking I'm constantly analysing am I boring the shit out of this person look for cues because I can't look at her face because another thing to add to the list of things is that I have prosopagnosia which is facial blindness so I don't recognise people so I can meet somebody meet them again a week later and be like shit please say something that makes me know who you are. <laughs> Because I had to learn all the cues. But what I discovered was that... Um, sorry, this is going to be a lot of tangent. Fuck it, you'll have to come Go down this it. rabbit hole with me. <laughs> what I discovered recently, and going back to the whole mask wearing thing, that was that like, I don't have a particularly strong stance on mask wearing. I know what the science says, but I also know that most people are incapable of wearing it properly, which kind of defeats the purpose. But I don't have a strong stance. If most people feel happier that I'm wearing a mask when I go in the shop, I'll wear a mask. I'm not bothered. It doesn't bother me. I along with the other. If everyone gets upset at people wearing masks, then whatever. I'll take it off again, you know. But um, I've got such a tangent, I've lost my place. <laughs> well, while you, while you find but, your place, yeah. actually, you, you've touched on something there that's uh, something I personally... Uh, no, it's prosopagnosia. Sorry, uh, I'll, I'll put right prosopagnosia in the notes and I'll get <laughs> Yeah, because I can spell that. Yeah, proso. <laughs> it's, it's, it's prosopagnosia. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah, so what, something that I actually, I'm going to say, admire about you, um, just so that I can That's see you pull you an uncomfortable I mean, I, face, I like <laughs> um, 
is that you you are very good in in the mutual online circles in which we mm. move. You are very good at set, at staying or coming across very uh, measured, thoughtful, <laughs> considered with your opinion. So you understand I that. What you about learned skills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you understand that everyone has their own way of viewing things, their own opinions, and that there's there's a difference between opinion and, and fact. And yeah. fact is only ever the best that we understand it at the time anyway, right? I'm, 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 there you go. Go on, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you had something to say on that one. I had so much, but I'm just going to let it go. No, next. interrupt me and just go with no, it. No, 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 it's nothing. Um, no, it's just nothing of like... It's very dangerous ground when you say that facts are something that we perceived at the time. There are some things that are just facts, and there are some things that are the facts as best we understand them. But what I hate is that as soon as you get into that wiggle room, then you start getting that, well, my opinion is as valid as yours, because you're just basing it on your truth. When people say, it's my truth, if you're talking about your emotions and your experiential perception of the world, fine, that's okay, I'm okay with that, I get it, I don't really get it in terms of I don't get it myself, but, but I understand, that that's your understanding of a situation emotions. When you say, well, my truth is that the world is flat, you're going to get laughed at, and I'm going to be quite mean about it, because, yeah. but I say that, but I'm not, I'm actually not, generally I, I don't, but, but when people try and say something is, oh, well, that's just what you believe based on such and such science, it's like, you don't fucking understand science, you mm. understand the enthusiasm with which peer review goes on. Not enthusiasm to prove that they were right. Everyone wants to prove that person who's just said, I've discovered anti-gravity. They want to go, no, you fucking haven't, because yeah. I want to discover it and, first. And it's brutal as yeah. well. Oh, it peer is review brutal. Is and like... it gets really personal a lot of it. I'm actually yeah. working with a client at the moment <laughs> yeah. who uh, who works in that field. And some of the, some of the peer reviewing is just absolutely... There are autistic people like me who haven't done quite as much work on themselves when it yes, comes to that's, their that's gentle nature. And probably fair. A lot of it is that they just want to be like, well, you haven't dotted the eyes, you haven't thought of this, and I'm cleverer than you. Mm. And there's an awful lot of that goes on. Peer review is brutal. It's not scientists getting together to, like, you know, this whole idea that there could be a conspiracy where scientists are all working together to heal <laughs> the public. Have you met scientists? They are assholes to each other. They really are. They all want to be the smart one. They all want to be the one that discovered, like, I don't know, the neutron gas, whatever. You know? mm. They all want to be the one that did the discovery. It's like that that, that lady who came up with the, the picture of a black hole, or rather the picture of a star behind the black hole yeah. so you could see the effects of a black hole. The amount of people who wanted to leap forth and say, actually, no, she didn't. It was worked on this work and this work and this work. And it's like, no, she still did a fuck ton of work and she mm. coordinated all these people and got a bunch of tossers who were like just going to fall out with each other to actually work collaboratively across the world to create this thing. So I think give her the credit and shut the fuck up. Yeah. But but it is a good example of how when people think that scientists, like this idea of the flat earth going back to that, the idea that NASA, is not half of NASA isn't even speaking to half of the other half. You know, they're just, they're just not. You know, somebody's got this idea about how iron rockets, you know, the way forward into deep space travel, guaranteed someone else is like, fuck you, it's warp drives. You know, <laughs> it's like, they don't get on. So no, there's no conspiracies in that way. Big rant, I know, I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm, I, I, in, I completely agree with you. So, and but, flat but this, earth... going back to it, is this thing that when people say, my truth, okay, talk about your emotions. If you want to say my truth is that I believe in God, 
I cannot at all prove that that isn't a thing. I can't prove there's no God. I could suggest that my experience of the world says that if there is, he's quite a vicious git. Yeah. But, or he just doesn't care, or whatever. Or, or for some reason, I do not see things on the scale. And I find that a really difficult one where people say, oh, he just don't understand his works. Well, why does he make parasites that, like, infect, you know eyeballs or why does it you know what the, how what, where does this make sense where you get to heaven and go oh now i understand tapeworm yeah. you know <laughs> suddenly it all adds up you know maybe it's true but i can't prove that either way so i don't so i, I can't turn around somebody who says well my truth is that there are angels okay that's your truth don't try and tell me it is the truth no. it's, it's your perception you're welcome to it and if you can prove it i will look at your evidence quite happily and peer review that <laughs> I mean, so I'm quite careful when I, or, or I, I make an effort to be careful. I'm sure I probably fall short on this plenty of times, and I'm I'm Going really keen for people point, to yeah. pull me up on it if I do. Um, but when I'm when I'm talking about the understanding of the mind, psychology, mm. human behaviour, I will talk about studies that have taken place. I will talk about the evidence that suggests that yeah, this yeah. is the case. I'm I'm careful to point out that in my opinion this yeah, yeah, is what yeah. I take from that or the evidence suggests this rather than saying this is a fact but at the same time I'm also yeah. quite keen to point out actually the research shows this to be a fact yeah, um, yeah, depending yeah, on yeah. on where I, I think that's the thing and it's like it's that understanding of how research works because people want the world to be black and white and I find it so funny that as an autistic person who is naturally driven towards wanting absolutes that I'm the one that's turning around and saying to people, it is not that simple. When people go on about vaccines and I have to say, look, no, I can't, you can't look at me and say, are you pro or anti-vax? Well, it depends on the individual vaccine and a massive amount of factors. You can't just say, I'm anti-vax. Because, like, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to get you with like, a load of people <laughs> making a brief about it. But, you know, if you look at polio, for example, there's a lot of data on that. So you can come to a conclusion about that. You look at, say, the new Pfizer mRNA vaccine. Now, I have some opinions on that, and I'm not going to get into it because it's not the point. My point is, is that there's considerably less data about that. So it'd be wrong for me to say that, well, because I have excuse me, certain opinions about polio vaccines, they automatically, excuse me, <laughs> they automatically must be applied to Pfizer vaccine. Mm. It's not, it's two different things. They have to be viewed independently, hence grey area. They, they work differently. They have different mechanisms of delivery. They have different biological implications on the body. And Something I used yeah. to really struggle with, I guess. I, I, I didn't feel like I was struggling with it at the time necessarily, um, but in hindsight, <laughs> I was, um, was not knowing. I used, yeah. to, I used to think that oh, was a bad thing to not know. know. Yeah. Um, but now I embrace that because if I yeah. find something I don't know... It means either I've just highlighted an opportunity to learn something new, right? Yeah, because yeah, you don't yeah. know what you don't know. So finding something that you don't know means great. Yeah. Something else I can learn. Somewhere I can develop my understanding. Yeah. Um, or you might just not be able to find out right now. You might not have yeah, the information true, yeah. Or, yeah. or the capacity to understand it, potentially. That's so, okay as well. There's the things we know, there's the things we don't know, there's the things you don't know that we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all right. Like, I understand this, I mean, it's a natural human drive yeah. and desire to want to understand want things and to want, want answers. We want to know, yeah, yeah. But uncertainty in itself is a beautiful thing. Yeah, living with uncertainty is difficult, but it is very freeing. 
to understand that you have. I'd like kind of say, because this is one of the points I was going to make earlier and then you told me off because we weren't recording. But, <laughs> but one of the things that I have found that I have embraced about my autism is that if you if I say to you, like, no, the world is not flat, I can prove in a million ways it's not flat without even going into space. There are so many ways sitting right here on this planet I can do it. But if you turn around to the me... The Egyptians like, proved it. Is, years oh, ago. even before that. But, I mean, that's, that's a whole... I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But... But the thing is, if you turn around to me and said, okay, well, there's new evidence come to light, and I'd like to take a look at it. And I looked at it, and I'm like, shit, it's flat as a fucking pancake. (laughs) (laughs) And it proved it, or it demonstrated in some way, like, quite conclusively, that's it. I don't do this thing anywhere near as much as as I've realised people do. I don't do this thing of being emotionally attached to my argument. Yes. If you prove it's wrong, then I'm like, okay, well, I've changed my mind. Yeah, yeah. And like people freak out at me, like like, oh well you changed your tune. No, I've changed my tune. You've just shown me evidence that yeah. this proves what I thought was solid evidence previously. Fine, I'll change my mind. You're right, well done. You know, like yeah. th- let's move on. Let's let's figure this out together and see where we go from here. And then it turns out it's not flat and well, whatever. Yeah. But but like you this is the thing I struggle with, this is the thing I learned because I, I started because it started with people who were anti vax And I would get into these arguments where there'd be people who were like you must vaccinate everybody, including your budgie. And then other people who were like, every vaccine kills children. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> it's like there's two camps here, and they're both fucking wrong. Because it, it's, you know, like, we know for a fact that there are vaccines that have gone out that have caused harm, hmm. considerable harm in some cases. But we also know that there are vaccines that have massively changed the world, like eradicated diseases. You know, when was the last time you heard of somebody dying of smallpox? You know, like, and it, oh, well, you know, the, the, the environment's changed. People come up with crazy excuses. But the thing is, I looked at this and I thought, like, well, people can't always be right. And they always come up with these things. And then when you dig in the research and then you go, well, if you actually look at trends and how they form and this and the other, you know, it, it, it doesn't work. But then but I thought, so why do people get entrenched like that? And then I kind of heard of this flat earth thing. And at the time I was like, oh, this has got to be satire, hasn't it? Looked into it and I'm like, it's not satire. Yeah. Fuck. Mm. So at first I was just like, well, they're all fucking idiots. And then when I looked at it more, I was like, well, actually, they're not stupid. A lot of them are not stupid. So why are they so entrenched in these viewpoints of like the earth is flat? This purely ridiculous thing. It is not. And I don't mean to offend anyone, but it's one of those things that I can pretty confidently say it is not. But there are people out there who will say exactly what I just said, but that the world is flat. Mm. So how do they get in that position? And looking at the things that entrench people versus the things that help people come out of these entrenched positions has kind of informed how I discuss these things online, mm. which is why now when people do it, I don't ever turn around and say to somebody, you believe this and you're stupid for believing that, or you're wrong. I never, I try and avoid saying to people, you're wrong. I say to people, okay, well, from what I've looked into, this is what I've looked into on this subject, this is what I found out, here's some supporting evidence for that, here is citations and whatever else. Because people are a master of saying, oh, well, you know, this is, you know, Mercury, like one of the great ones in the vaccine community is Mercury reacts with um, aluminium. And then they show this video of Mercury reacting with aluminium. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, oh, that's, that's crazy. But I've done a little bit of research and it turns out there is only one vaccine on the planet that has both aluminium and mercury in it. And it's not very well, it's not used that often, but it, it, the only one that's actively currently registered for use, one. Right. Right. And then also, this video you showed me, I've actually looked into that a little bit, and it turns out that aluminium oxides, you know, like aluminium and oxygen, automatically straight away oxidizes. 
very, very quickly. It takes a while to get that really grey kind of look to it. But the second you put aluminium in oxygen, it oxidises. That oxidisation layer actually prevents the mercury from touching the aluminium. So to do this crazy experiment, it's a really cool reaction. Whole other thing, YouTube it, you'll find it. But to do this reaction, you have to constantly apply sulfuric acid to the aluminium to stop it from oxidising long enough for the mercury to touch aluminium as opposed to aluminium oxide, and then you get the reaction. And it's cool as fuck. It's like fucking bits going everywhere. But, you know, because the best, the best experiments in science are the ones that go back. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, or catch fire. But, but it's really cool, but it doesn't happen inside a vaccine because the aluminium in that vaccine is automatically oxidised as soon as it gets in there. The, the mercury that's in there, they're in such tiny, tiny qualities that even if they contacted, you wouldn't even notice it. And it's like, but this is brought up as like, look at the danger of. And it's like, no, dig a little deeper. But I never say, oh, you're wrong. You're being stupid. Of course, that's not the thing. I say, well, look, here's what happens with mercury. Here's what happens when it meets aluminium. Here's how you, what you have to do. There's definitely not sulfuric acid inside of vaccines. I know that for a fact. You know, and you, and you just kind of like dig it apart a bit and say, and look, there's actually only one vaccine that's going in. Why are you terrified of the MMR vaccine? When you're talking about a vaccine for, I can't even remember what the illness was it was for, but there's like one vaccine that has it. Like, why are you worrying about MMR, going on about mercury and aluminium, when th these aren't in it? Neither of these things is in it. You know, so why are you worrying? And, and I, th I think that when you inform people without confronting them, yes, they will turn around to you and say, well, you're wrong, but they will go away and think about it, and they'll find a way of coming back quietly and being like, in a different stance, or maybe slightly mm -hmm. softer in their position, or maybe not as aggressive. And quite often, when you've got somebody who's really hardline about something, and you do have to kind of go, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'm going to present this side of it that may contradict what you're saying, but it's actually not them you're talking to. Yeah. You know, and it's often the amount of people who message me offline are just like, oh, I really appreciate what you said in that thread about such and such. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, actually, I was just saying it for my own benefit, but, you know, because <laughs> I was being sciencey, but... But yeah, I enjoy science. I do. I do. Yeah, I do enjoy the process. I enjoy the whole thing of it. But but my thing is that people come to you and say like, oh, that, and it's and it's because when you take that softer approach, you're a more beneficial to. Because when people see a, a bar fight, everyone loves a bar fight until they get involved. You know. <laughs> so so when they see a thread where somebody is like not getting drawn into the to the anger and the raging and whatever else, and it's just discussing it and presenting detail and information or citation whatever else then then they actually might stick around and actually watch it or, or get involved in it or even discuss it or you know whatever but but that again that that's like a learned skill i realize that with autism you, you want to turn around to people and be like yes you've just told me like you said earlier you know my, my monkey writes my new <laughs> my monkey writes my email and i'm like my autistic brain is like no it doesn't that is not true <laughs> for anyone listening but, right now who yeah. who receives monkey call every week it clearly is written, written by, by my monkey. monkey yeah yeah turns out his monkey is his right hand <laughs> <laughs> no but the point is you know like my autistic brain it struggles with that concept because you told me something it's plainly not true hmm. but then i have to like apply my human filter and go like oh but it makes people happy to think it comes from the monkey and this is the thing the yeah. more emotionally invested someone is on a stance mm. of of whatever form, the more prone they are to bad judgment, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as, as humans, this is one of the most basic parts of who we are and how we operate. The yeah. more emotional we are, the less logical we are. Not always. <laughs> yeah. There are exceptions to this, but as a yeah. general rule, if you're living within an emotional experience, 
you're less able to be objective and logical about that situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, we have system one and system two brains, system one being the, the, the animal system. brain, <laughs> system two being the logical analytical Oh, yeah, part. yeah, yeah. The well, th- but that's the thing, it's interesting. Yeah, you you yeah. say, uh, I've only got one brain. Obviously, I know you were joking yeah, and being yeah, flippant. Yeah. Um, it's in a jar somewhere. In the yeah, but, but clearly you do still have those two systems and actually yeah, in yeah. in a in a lot of ways your system 1 is very effective in overriding your system 2 you're you're although you it might not it view it or experience it yeah. as an emotional thing for example you you said you you'd spend you you're processing so much all at the same time and then you get to a point where you can't yeah, yeah. handle anything more and you, you yeah so you melt down yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a child or, or it becomes a more reserved thing as an adult yeah, or you just become an asshole <laughs> <laughs> um, like that is your system one kicking yeah. in and going nope <laughs> get out of this <laughs> yeah. thing fight your way or run your way out of this situation yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so it's still it's still oh it's very thing. very much a drive. I mean that's the thing it is the same most of my problems don't come from that particular part of my brain, like I'm not really logical and I can talk myself down. We still have anxiety, like unreasonable anxieties like most people do. You know, my, my problem comes from, I think most of the problems that come with autism are mostly through communication and understanding. Like as a, as a great example, like my wife constantly says to me like, why didn't you stop talking? I was telling you with my eyebrows. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? How are you telling me? And she's like sitting there, like semaphore, eyebrows going up and down. And I'm just like... Oh, like the old uh, Cadbury's ad. Yeah, like she, she's got some kind of twitch. You know, it's like, but you're all right, you've got a migraine going on. It's like, no, I'm telling you to shut the fuck up. I'm like, blah, 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 you know, like this. And, this. and that's the thing, taking those facial cues, taking those things and having to learn it, which which in a way cycles back to this thing, this, this prosopagnosia. So prosopagnosia is basically the inability to store facial recognition, it's facial recognition problem basically. So weirdly, it's not as bad with photos. So if I see a photo of somebody, I'm more able to memorize that photo than I am their face to the point where if somebody says, oh, like says, imagine Dave, yeah, whatever Dave that may be, but imagine Dave, I will imagine their profile picture on Facebook or I'll try yeah. and imagine, and, and also I don't visualize things in general very well. so. If, I, if you say to me, imagine a football, I can't imagine like a, just a complete football sat on the field. I'll get like a brief flash or it'll be like a broken, it's almost like it's on a glass sheet and it's broken up or, you know, it, it's weird. I, I really struggle with, with visual, you know, visualising things inside my mind in that way. In the same way that, like we were saying earlier, some people don't have an inner voice. So the only way I can even make sense of that is to say, well, maybe for them, the voice thing is like my inability to visualise stuff in the same way. Um Going off on one, but anyway, so going back to this prosopagnosia. So, so what that means is, if say I saw, um, I'm trying to think of two people who look vaguely similar, but if I if I if I go to a networking meeting and I meet a blonde lady with a flamboyant scarf and uh, purple trousers, and then I meet the same lady the next week and she's dressed completely differently, until she does something or gives me some hint who she is, I will not know it's her. Not with certainty. I'll have a vague suspicion. Like, if I'm talking to a fat guy with a beard, I'll know that's not her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because I'm not that bad. But but the point is, it's like, it's that inability when as soon as it gets down to a level of subtlety 
of telling, is this somebody I've met before? Is this someone new? Is this someone I know? And to adapt to that in the same way of this high-functioning autism thing, to adapt to that process of pagnosia, I've learned to recognise people by mannerisms, by the way they sound, by, I mean, very much by the way they sound, because obviously I'm quite a hyper-acuity on audio. So, and, and by all manner of other things, I recognise people by that. So when this whole masks thing came in, and everyone suddenly wore masks, I saw this sudden spike in anxiety in people. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, I realised, was because suddenly they were plunged into my world. Mm-hmm. And I realised the reason that I just carried on, boo, you know, like no anxiety, is because all the cues and markers and the things that I used to teach myself who people were, were still there. So there was no anxiety for me because my world hadn't changed. But I didn't have to look at people's faces. And when I'm wandering around Tesco, I can mouth, dickhead. <laughs> people without them seeing it was me but it's, it's, it's interesting when yeah. uh when you look at so i'm, I'm gonna no, bring up fine, yeah. i'm gonna bring up the subject of race um yeah. so major stuff to go on <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh there are studies that show that um people tend not to be able to notice differences in in people's yeah, faces yeah, as effectively no, know, when it's a different race yeah? yeah so for example uh you know, a white person who's grown up not knowing many black people yeah. is less able to differentiate between different black people. Yeah. That's not to say they all look the same. He says using no, air quotes on a I, podcast. I, <laughs> um, but actually, to an extent, they kind of do if someone's grown up not exposed to well, those I think, features. I think much. there's an anthropological kind of justification for it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is again an autistic quote. I can talk about things like race without worrying about offending people, even though I'm aware that people can be offended. But it's on that thin borderline between where I'm just talking factually mm. and I'm talking about things and I'm not seeking to diminish anybody about it. So if you get offended, that's because you've chosen to be offended, yeah. because you're being hypersensitive to it. Or whatever is, and maybe they have justification. Maybe somebody who's grown up with experiencing systemic racism in their whole life is going to be probably more sensitive to it. I'm not without empathy to it. I mean, uh, as a kind of background, I'm I'm Welsh by origin. <laughs> you know, I was 16 before I met my first person of any colour whatsoever, other than white. Well, translucent blue because I was Welsh. You know, <laughs> and. So I'd, I'd never met anyone who was of any ethnic minority. And like, you know, I mean, I was born in 1973, so there weren't even that many like Chinese restaurants and so on around. There really wasn't hardly anything. So obviously I'd seen them on TV and things like that, but I'd never met them, never met anybody of an ethnic background other than white British person up until that point. So, so yeah, maybe there is an element of that to it. But I also think there is also this thing of we're very geared up to recognise our tribe because it's important. Mm. Yes. Because somebody who's not in our tribe is a danger. If you're out in the wild, anybody who's not in your tribe is a competitor. Now, I don't really believe very strongly in the whole concept of race because there's more difference between two chimpanzees than there is between any two humans on the planet. Yes. And that's two chimps from the same troop. You know, so we're incredibly inbred and like... Okay, not so much that we, yeah, full of, but we are full of quite a lot of defects that mm. we just accept as being part of the human condition. But we, we, you know, there was a bottleneck at some point in human development where we went down to around ten thousand individuals, and then we've kind of grown from there. So we're in breadness, but we're we're all rednecks, every single fucking one of us. <laughs> and the difference between somebody who's black. Now, now that's where and, someone could take offence, by the way. About like <laughs> rednecks. Well, yeah, well, apparently you're a redneck get really offended if you call them hillbillies and vice versa. And I'm like, isn't it the same thing? <laughs> apparently not. Got in a lot of trouble for that one. 
But but the point is that, that you know we are, we are all very much genetically not that different. Mm. You know, like most other species on the planet have vastly more genetic diversity within their populations than any humans do. And things like you know like when people say, oh well, that's a black guy, so they're a different race. Well, that's mm. somebody who hasn't developed an adaption for living in a northern climate, and has maybe their ancestors have generally stayed further south, where their adaption is they need to be able to protect themselves from the sun more. Mm. It's mel it's melan uh, melatonin melatonin yeah, and it's like we produce it as a no it's not melatonin no it's, it's melanin, not melanin sorry. sorry yeah sorry <laughs> so so we produce it in our skin as a defence to the sun that's why you get a tan you get burnt first you definitely get burnt first if you're Welsh <laughs> and then your skin produces melanin to try and protect you from that environment and the difference is is that your base level of melanin because when you say white nobody's white I'm kind of a yellowy pink you know no your base level of melanin is just lower because you're adapted for living in that northern climate. Mm. And, you know, there are other physical characteristics that differentiate people from different places, but race is really like an emotional and a um, societal construct. It's, it's oh, something yeah, we've sure. created to make divisions. And, but that's because when you're a tribe of, of hunter-gatherers, if another tribe of hunter-gatherers starts operating in your zone, then they're using the resources you need to live because it's a fucking hard life being on together. Yes. So we're kind of programmed that if we see somebody out and about, we're not like, all right, chap. You know, we're like, fucking stranger. <laughs> you know, stranger danger. Yeah. And it's kind of. And this is why people us. talk about, um, you know, oh, in in the old days or or in village life, everyone comes together, and yes, they do because against them, <laughs> tradition, especially traditionally. Your community, your tribe, was your locality. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's the people you live nearby. It isn't anymore. No, it isn't. It's the people you spend most time with online. It's and the people in that yeah. same Facebook group as you. It's the people but, that like... It's the people that agree the earth is flat. Or it's yeah, the yeah, people yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. have this preference or whatever. But just to sort of round up my, my point Sorry, on yeah. the race thing was that, that also one of the ways that everybody's brain works is that we filter and we filter starting with the easy things and work our way down. So I can filter between black people and white people quite easily because there's a really obvious difference there. And I can't filter between everybody who looks a bit like Grant Mitchell. They're all just bald white guys. <laughs> They're older than me. You know, but, but, yeah, but I can filter. And everybody filters like that. So when we're filtering danger, you want the shortest route to saying, that's definitely not one of us. Yeah. So when you see somebody who is, say, Chinese as opposed to white European... It's really quick to just go like, well, their face looks a bit different and they're a different colour to me. They, the quick filter. There you go. Filtered. So your brain doesn't make the effort to go, but they might be like that Asian guy over there, but a bit different to that one there. Your yeah. brain doesn't care. Your brain yeah. just goes, they are not us definitely because here's some easy quick fixes. And that's how neurons work. They're designed to just find the, mm. the short paths. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's why I think you get this kind of argument between like... Um, let's say, emotional bred racism mm. versus, and like, an inherent... I don't want to say racism, but an inherent... Because it's no longer about race, it's just about trust. not like me, as opposed to you belong well, to that yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, that, like, you overcome these things because these are, like, reactions. It's like, you know, you, you might meet somebody... Like, the first time I ever met somebody who was black, he was screaming at me and making my life hell. Because he was a PE instructor in the Air Force and I was a recruit and that is his job to do that to me. But that was my first experience of a black person. I'm like, well, I hope they're not all like this. You know? <laughs> but then you meet somebody else because obviously there were other recruits. I mean, there weren't many because the Air Force, it turns out, is quite white. But, mm -hmm. like, 
but there were others, and, and as I started meeting more people of different backgrounds and whatever else, you start identifying with them more, and you start learning more about cultures, and then I started learning stuff about other cultures and realising, actually, the way they go about that is so much better than yes. the thing yeah, that yeah. we do. Oh, absolutely. And then, and I think that you do overcome that innate, natural, like, but you're just different, mm. to then having to force yourself to, to not do it. And that's just how people evolve through life. Some people choose a not to. A great but, example yeah. of that for me is back when I back when I was employed rather than running my own business. And uh, I'd, as you naturally tend to do, uh, when you have experiences of doing things the way that you're used to doing them, you just assume that to be the right way yeah. um, because you don't know any different. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So you don't really question it. Yeah. And then I found myself in a situation where things were being done a different way and went and, and had the opportunity to learn and go, oh, okay, yeah. I can see that there are benefits to this, even though I've always assumed it's yeah, yeah. not correct. So an example of this was um, I ended up in charge of a store and in that store uh, there was a much higher percentage of um uh, well, of, of Muslims primarily, um, from different places and, and different cultures, but uh, their way of doing things in that store, certainly, was that you tell them what to do and they do it. I went in being the perfectly charming, lovely person <laughs> that I am and asked them nicely to do a thing, came back later wondering why on earth it wasn't done, yeah, asked yeah. about it, and the answer was, well, you, you only asked. Yeah. Okay, let me be really clear. If I'm asking you to do something, yeah, it's yeah, a polite yeah. way of telling you what to do. Well, that's um, British, isn't but it? Th that's, but yeah. they needed to hear it that way. Yeah. And so in my head, there was a real adjustment period there where I yeah. thought, oh, by telling them what to do, I'm a bad person. And actually, no, not necessarily. It's no, just that no. it's my role to get them to do these things. Yeah. And they'll respect that I'm carrying out my role. It doesn't reflect on what kind of person I am. Yeah. Um, that's just how we get things done in the workplace. Okay. On a break, I can talk as... It's a completely different way of communicating, you know? Yeah, when we talk about this idea of... Um, yeah, the, the, whether things are a gift or not a gift when it comes to autism, mm. that's one of the ones where I feel I paid the least and gained the most, is that your ability to be socially pressurised is considerably lower than, mm. than most people. And I, I've realised this to quite an extent... I do not give a fuck if someone doesn't like me. If they've chosen not to like me for whatever reason it is, fine. Like you don't have to like me, mm. you know. And and I very clearly feel to people on this: if if somebody doesn't want to like me or they disagree with my politics or whatever, I can think I'm a dickhead. Sometimes I can win them around by proving I'm not all about it. And I'm just <laughs> most of the way there a lot of the time. But but you know, like if someone's just made their mind up, they don't like me, or whatever else, fine. If somebody like a group of friends is like, let's go out and get hammered, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to. That you cannot just turn around to me and be like, oh, go on, go on, oh, you know, people think, there's no, I do not respond to social pressuring. And in some ways it's, it's bad because as humans, we're kind of designed to, to make cohesion within well, a tribe. But, yes and no, but I think, yeah. I think it probably does as much harm as good, um, to be honest. I'm, I, I had to learn it the hard way. So I went from being someone who was probably more easily pressurised, not necessarily well, whatever. Um, whereas now, <laughs> the more someone insists that I should do something, the less likely I am to do it. Yeah, um, the man avoided me. Well, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Right. 
John, we've covered so, ma- so oh, much no, stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of it, I think, has been really useful. Some of it, probably use, useless waffle, but I've enjoyed it anyway, so that's good. Um, in the time that we have left, what, what message do you want to share with the world? What do you want to put out there while there's people listening to you? I know, I know this is not what you want, but I don't have a message for the world. I, don't, I really that's don't, right. because I think... I mean, I have a message about not having a message, but... <laughs> But I think it's like, I think if there's anything, it's like everybody is piloting a ship that was made from scratch. Nobody came out cookie cutter. Nobody came out with a full set of tools. And there are similarities between all of us, but everybody is on their own little fucking journey of working out who the hell they are. And most of us are only going to figure out how we should have done everything by the time we die. Hmm. And that's just how it is. Yeah. So I think as somebody who has frequently been an opinionated arsehole to people, Never assume that people are operating out of malice, even if they're very strongly holding the opinion, even if they shout you down or call you a dickhead or whatever else because you don't agree with their point of view. Never assume that they're coming from a place of malice. Like, sometimes they are, but just, like, what's the point? You just make yourself upset. You just make yourself think the world's a terrible place. Well, actually, my experience of this world is that as much as there are people who will walk into a stadium full of people and detonate a bomb and do such vile brutality that you cannot get your head round how someone could do that, I guarantee you that when that happens, the number of people who rush in to help, who rush in to make the world better, far outweighs them. But they don't scream about it, they don't make a fuss, and the press never talks about it and everything else. The world is actually filled with really good people who are sometimes badly led, (laughs) sometimes get convinced to do dumb stuff. You know, that's how world wars happen. People get all jingoistic because people feed into their good side and turn it nasty, whatever. But the world is actually full of good people. Like, absolutely full of them. I completely agree. It's just you've got to not let yourself get caught out by thinking that just because you hear about all the dickheads, that they're the ones that are actually prevalent. And and even when you hear about the dickheads, to use your vernacular, (laughs) you know, you you don't know what's led them to to act and behave that that way. They probably don't believe that they're being a dickhead. Or if they do, they believe they have justification to be. But ultimately, you don't know their dog. In, in, exactly, yeah. And, and, and as, a, as, a, as a little illustration of that is that when you look at the First World War, when you look at the brutality that people did to each other, they were bakers, they were farmers, they were, they were put into a situation where they were brutalised and drowned down until they could commit brutality on other people mm. without getting invested in it emotionally, where they could joke about the brutality they were doing. That is not naturally human nature. That's what happens when a few little group of sociopaths find out how to manipulate the masses into doing things that are not inherently natural to human beings. They're not. Just because you find examples where people do bad things, it's not inherent in human nature to be that cruel. You know, look at chimpanzees. Chimpanzees do all kinds of mean shit to each other. But generally speaking, they're actually quite decent animals. But if you put them in the wrong circumstance, you can turn them into massive dickheads. On a tangent, I'll leave it there. There we go. John, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. No worries. It's been good to rant.